Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Force. Today, we have a very special guest, and we're going to switch it up a little bit today. Uh, our guest is Matt Plum. I've known Maddie from uh, the days back in Newport. We've coached together, and I know, again, your journey through both athletics and then your professional career have kind of blended. And today is very special because we're going to talk about some of the applications that you've carried with you as a player, as a coach, um, but now also as a manager in your current role. So thank you for coming on the show and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got to where you're at today. How I got to where I am, uh, where I was today, um, Tom, it was kind of, kind of a long journey to full-time restaurant owner. Um, as a kid, as you mentioned, I was uh, very, very, very involved in athletics. Loved it. Uh, loved all the lessons that it taught me. Loved the hard work piece of it. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do as I think most, you know, high school, even early kind of college kids don't really have that exactly pinned down what they wanted to do. So I, I took the um, route uh, with, with sports that I wanted to uh, continue it and get involved in sports and be a, a teacher coach, you know, on a, you know, a phys ed teacher or something like that, or some sort of strength coach. Right? But then maybe, you know, coaching uh, football at the college level. So I did a little bit of, little bit of everything there. So I, I, my athletic career really was at Portsmouth High School, football, hockey, baseball, track, uh, lots of lots of sports, lots of different stuff. Very busy all the time. Uh, went to University of Rhode Island for a little bit, and then started uh, suffering some pretty decent injuries here and there. A couple ACLs, a couple shoulder things, and realized it was probably time to hang the cleats up and kind of and move on from that. <clears throat> That's when I transferred to Springfield College, and I really decided I wanted to be that teacher coach you know, work with kids, help kids. Uh, so I took that route and continued to work in my parents' restaurant in the summer, which I also really enjoyed. You know, it was, it was a challenge. It was, it was fast paced, which I loved. And um, so uh, I got into the, the, the stuff, you know, phys ed school at Springfield, got a high school coaching job up there while I was there at Fermi High School in Enfield, Connecticut. As a 19-year-old kid, I was uh, coaching the quarterbacks up there. The kids were not too much younger than me. Really, really liked it. Uh, I really liked kind of being out of my hometown, too, and, and, and working with some other kids there. And, uh, can, again, continuing to work in the summers at, at my parents' restaurant. And then um, – I got into the teaching thing, the public school teaching thing, and realized um, that I didn't want to continue to learn to kind of down that path and do that. Um, at that point, I was offered, while I was still at Springfield, I was offered a job at Bryant University to, to come play quarterback. I politely turned the guy down, saying that I was, I was just done. I couldn't, couldn't play anymore. He said, well, how about come coach with me? And I'd worked with him at, a few times in the summer at uh, his camp and um, – you know, really enjoyed it. So I went to coach. I kind of stopped going to school and started coaching college football full time. And then I um, was able to be closer to home more down here in Rhode Island. I was working at the restaurant basically full time as well. And then slowly but surely over time, I realized that I didn't want to move really from the Newport, Rhode Island area. I mean, you've been spent a ton of time up here. I know you love it up here. Um, so I decided to go full, you know, head over heels into the restaurant and, and, just, and just dive in. Like I always had, I had with sports and things like that. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and here I am, you know, here I am today. And, you know, in the meantime, I've done some high school coaching, you know, both strength, a little strength and conditioning coach running the offense, of course, with high school. But I do feel that I do get to do a lot of that, you know, coaching, leading um, and get that a little bit of that game day feel every time we open the restaurant every day. So. 
kind of in a roundabout way. That's that's where I am, you know, now today. We've preached a lot that a lot of times in athletics, less about winning and losing, but it's teaching individuals how to handle adversity, how to be a teammate sure. and all these things. And there's a lot of parallels to it, but having worked with you, and I, I remember working with you in the weight room back in, I think, oh, geez, I believe it was 2009 or 2010, how mechanized we had some of these basic core values and principles and standards. And then from there, educating the why, from there, reinforcing, okay, this is why we have the poundage charter. This is why we do our warm up a certain way and really driving intentionality. We've had some speakers um, come on and talk about intentional training versus going through the motions. And I want to know, do you find that that is a direct transfer to your current role? And, and as you mentioned, the restaurant that you're in, it's a competitive industry. You've got, I don't even know, I think cl close to something, 40 or 50 restaurants within a mile on either side of you. When you talk about that separation difference, did that transfer or, or, or what elements did you take from your coaching kind of mechanistic standards and put into your practice? As far as, as far as the, the mechanical stuff of it, it is, it's definitely, it's the detail oriented stuff and enjoying the details. Even when I was a player, a football player and a coach, I really love to to watch film. I loved being at practice every day and working on these little skills of working on one particular throw as opposed to just having this goal of being like, hey, I'm just going to be a better passer and just doing whatever and really working on specific throws and specific footwork. Um, and then when it transferred into the, you know, the gym with you know, your poundage chart, right? We're, you know, you're very familiar with that. Um, you know, I look at that, that's like following a recipe and knowing that, Hey, we're going to build this thing. And there's one, it, there's, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to do it, but we've chosen this way. And we're going to, we're going to do our darndest to, you know, just to follow this script and not vary off this script. Cause we know it works if you just follow it. So how do you differentiate with that though, where you have to be agile, you have to be able to adapt. And I think that you can get very stuck in your ways. Some people don't have a core value or core system. And so they're kind of chasing everything. How do you run that balance between establishing practices and standards, but then also being reactive to what you face day in and day out? So you're dead. It's um, one big, just be able to take a step back from it and look at stuff. You know, we're in, I'm in that ground level a lot. I'm in the restaurant, you know, right now, and I'm, I'm on the ground level all the time, but really consciously um, whether it's every shift or every week, kind of you know step up a little bit and get that 500 foot view and go hey all right this this isn't working right now we need we need to change something and and not being so prideful in your system to be able to be willing to be willing to change it so it's really not taking kind of taking your personal opinions really out of it and not and, and being and being okay with that enjoying like hey you know someone might have a better idea to do something too one of your team members that's working for you or a player that's playing for you go you know what your idea is a heck of a lot better than mine. We're going to take that and run with it. So it's, it's just being, being mentally flexible and kind of lead checking, checking your ego. And if you, if you think everyone's got a little one, right. Like you kind of checking it at the door and being, and being really okay with it and embracing and bringing in those other team members as a, as, as allies for you to, to, to reach those common goals. We had uh, a guest speaker on a couple episodes ago, Coach Bo Bartoni worked with me at Yale and he described in detail what goes mm -hmm. on in a lift. And a lot of people think, you know, straight to conditioning, you come in, the music's cranked, everybody's screaming, yelling, having a good time. But when he articulated, you know, two hours out, one hour out, 15 minutes before, two minutes out, 30 seconds, whistle blows, top of the hour, 
the every minute it broke it down. And then after the lift's over, that process, you talked about that breakdown of all the things and calculating tonnages and figuring out reading comments, all the different, you know, ins and outs. People had no idea. When I come and visit Brick Alley Pub, and let's just say it's June or July, I'm waiting in line, I get to the front. From the moment that I put my name in to get seated, what are some of the processes that people may not be aware of that you have to either A, install or constantly monitor from the time that I you know, pay my check and I walk out? First first process every day is you're, you're making an opinion when, when you're 100 feet away from my front door. You know, and we make that choice of, we want this place to be as clean as it can be all the time, all day, whether it's the end of a busy night, start of the day, because when Tom comes in to eat, that's his time. He doesn't care that it was clean this morning. You know, it's going to be clean later. He's here right now. He wants that thing. So process, we have we have very detailed uh, list that just involve how to clean the sidewalk, how to dust the front entryway. Um, our, our, our hosts, uh, one thing we look for we, when we hire them as a process is they're, they're 100% attitude, right? Are they ha- do they have a bubbly personality? Are they inviting? Can they handle an upset guest coming that maybe waited a little bit longer than you told them if we have an hour wait and they wait an hour and a half? How do, you, how do they handle that, right? Um, and then from a technical perspective, we have, you know, through our reservation platform, we have little notes. Whereas if I was putting a reservation in for you, Tom, I would, and if I wasn't going to be there or something, so, you know, Tom, maybe put a little description of you. I friend, old friend of Matt's forever and ever loves our margaritas, loves the great steaks, really, really, really loves our ahi tuna dish. Right. So that's a, something you walk in the door and now we've shared that with our host. We've shared that with our servers and you sit down. <laughs> oh, Tom, are you going to be having the tuna again tonight? Absolutely. How the heck did you know that? I've never seen you before. You know, so that's something, you know, that's, that's something right at the door. Um, that, you know, before, right when you're walking in, that's it right there. You know, that's the, as a, as a simple one, you know, something that makes the thing, you know, small, uh, run really smoothly too. We call it route 135. Super simple, you know, and you want to like, oh, that service was great there, but it doesn't just magically happen. Right. So route 135 is, or, or the expectation is that our servers, from one minute after the customer guest sits down, they've been greeted, right? Three minutes after they sit down, you've taken some sort of beverage order for them, interact with them and, you know, really, really, you know, trying to get them going. Okay, well, let's get this process going. They've been out there. They've been, they've been waiting for an hour. They've been outside. Their kids are young. Like, let's get this thing going. Within five minutes, the expectation is they have their beverages on the table. And there's a lot that goes into that because you got to order them and know which margarita you want and then the server orders it but there's a million drinks going on at the bar but the expectation we figure out a way to get that done every time that's 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 like a that's non-negotiable that thing right there so those are a couple really right there that 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 really help us you know dial in and start the experience right because there's nothing like starting it off on the wrong foot and trying to play play from behind all day right it's nice to go get a couple early early wins, a couple of good plays early in the game. And then you're kind of rolling. You got a really good rapport with those customers. And then it just, then it just starts flowing, you know? Well, no. So you got these standards, it's 135. And it's funny that I've known you for this long and I never knew about that. That's a little secret there that you had at the uh, the pub. How do you maintain that? It's good to have it. And I, I often find a lot of places will say our core values are details, um, you know, uh, a no quit attitude. And there's all this kind of buzzword and rah-rah, but like, give me an sure. example I know that's not an easy standard by definition 
a lot of places probably struggle. And, and I think also too, when you have a directive like that, as a manager, you either a have to get the right personnel who actually are committed to that. Cause you know mm -hmm. what, five minutes for the company, I don't really care. I'm going to look out for me. We're going to make it round it to six. Um, I don't really see the point of that. And so if there's, I don't know how many tables are at brick, if there's a hundred tables, that's a lot of drinks at a night. And so out of that, how often do you hit that? And then what are some of the strategies you do? Because I think great managers, that's the secret is that they can manage those standards and processes either via people or new protocols. I would say the one in it, you know, just getting over to greet people. I bet that's 90%, 90%, you know, you want it to be a hundred. No, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. Um, most, I'd say it happened. The, the rest of it happens really most of the time. Um, you know, 80, 89% of the time and all that stuff, just because one, one thing that we do is try to try to impart on people. It's going to make their deal easier too, right? It's to having a plan. So it's not just all, you know, every shooting from the hip all the time, really try to sell this kind of stuff to, to the staff and let them know like, Hey, this is good. For, this is, if, if it's good for the guests, it's good for you. It keeps you on track because guess what? Someone else is getting sat in your section five minutes from now. And you got to kind of stay on that same time schedule with your tables to keep everything, to keep everything flowing. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, you guys, as a people think of a pub, it's a full on sure. restaurant and some of the things, whether it's the ahi tuna slider, or if it's the Cadillac margarita or anywhere in between, you have a wide range of things um, for people to choose from when they go to order that. And I, I think too, we had talked at one point that you had like a local thing going on where you were telling a story of where the, the food had come from. And so there was a backstory and then you have this salad bar. Cause you talk a little bit and I, you know, I've mentioned this before in some of my coaching stuff, that salad bar is, is a point of pride that you have. Um, right. And it's one of those things that people don't know uh, that goes into the devil, of the details. What is, what's the deal with that? And then what is some of that ordering process to make sure that not only you're providing a high quality uh, food, but you're also creating experience that's timely. So as far as, you know, the start on the, you know, the, this, 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 the salad buffet there, I mean, that's something that uh, we've had, we've had forever going back to when a lot of restaurants had them, right? I mean, we sure remember when you were a kid, chart house out and I know you kind of go every, a lot of places had some sort of self-service deal. Shoot pizza hut had, had the old buffet back then, you know? Um, and why did they go away? Well, they're, they're, Paying the butt to manage, right? Um, there's a million. There's a million things that can kind of can and going. All these different items out there. You got you've got people working, and then you've got people's taste changing all the time. And then COVID happens. You get it. You get it shut down. You know, and what, what you know when that happened, like, well, should we bring it back? Should we not? And you know, as soon as we saw the light at the end of the tunnel, we thought absolutely we got to get this thing going again because it's a huge differentiator for us. As you meant, you know, if you. You just looked at the name of us, right? It's a brick alley, brick alley pub and restaurant. You're like, okay, I've been to a bunch of pubs, right? Um, the reason we position ourselves as a pub is, and we, and we, me, my folks did 40 years ago, is it's pub short for public house. It's like, it's something for everybody, right? It, it, you can come in and you can be someone that likes, you know, your, you know, your 11 Madison Park style restaurant, but come to our place and get some great food and that kind of some high end stuff too that you get there. But if you're a kid that wants a grilled cheese or chicken fingers with a jam and a bunch of ketchup, you can get that there too. So that's where we try to be, you know, really be a little something, something, something for everybody. So when they come into the pub and they see that name, what's the expectation that you want them to have? And kind of why did you guys stick with that kind of moniker? 
um, from the original days when your parents had opened it. So it's that um, the the whole thing with the with the pub thing is you you go into a pub and you feel you feel warm, you feel at home. It's just a you know generally like a cozy space in general, right? Um, and one one thing we call we call giving uh, our customers a virtual hugs, right? Virtual hugs, and that's what we what we what we like to do and want our customers to feel like okay they're coming to this nice cozy place it looks cozy it's you know it's warm they got the fireplace going in the corner all right but now they've looked around and now where's that personal interaction that kind of make me feel warm and fuzzy that service piece that service piece go because we've asked our service to come over 135 do all these little systems and if you look at on the surface that could be could lead to like very robotic service right so that's not what we want we want we like ours to be that professional, but really casual, you know, casual service where our, our servers will kind of, if, if they can, we'll kind of show you some other places around town as far as maybe where to eat or where to go take a walk or what, what you have to see and kind of give, give you that whole experience and give you what Newport's all about right in our, right in our friendly confines of, of our, of our pub. Um, and that for, to us, that's kind of what the, the pub, the pub thing is, is that the old, the old school, you know, public house. And then over the years, as you know, we've changed and tastes have changed. We've kind of developed some of these other different things you would not expect to find at a neighborhood little family run joint here in Newport, Rhode Island, as far as food and drinks go. Yeah. I mean, I was always amazed is that you'd walk in and as you were talking to before about pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, salbar, straight up, they're gross. But I know that one of the things that you would be constantly harping on is what's the temperature of the items? How do they look? How does just the presentation look? And then the individuals behind the, the salad bar, it, it almost looked like a football crew where the chain chain gang getting out, get the things out, swapping out dins, uh, the bins, doing all that. It was fascinating to watch. And I, all I could ever think about was like, how did he get those people to give a crap about that? It, it's like middle of the day, Saturday, uh, you right. know, summer in Newport. How come they care? And then the, the waitress would come over or the waiter would come over. And they they really genuinely, like you said, either knowing what you wanted ahead of time or being able to offer, you know, some of those different things on the menu that they wouldn't expect. They were they were squared away. But you generally felt like, and, I, and I've said it before, it always felt like you were going home. You were right. visiting a family. And and that's easy to say. And I think a lot of sure. people shoot for that. But what are some of those things that you do to get them to buy in? And and some of those menu items that you talked about, I know for a fact you've told me that lobster mac and cheese. That's not necessarily the most profitable thing. It's really good. And people come back and maybe they buy a drink or two or bring a friend. But when we get into the lobster mac and cheese or we get into any of those other items you've put in, what goes into that process of getting everyone to buy in from literally salad bar to hostess to, you know, the, the line cook in the back? On the on the on the very kind of super simple level is really getting them to buy into the fact that this all is a, is a choice with like the whole thing. The excellence is a choice, you know, being okay is a choice. Being good is a choice. Being truly excellent. You need to choose to do that over and over and over with every decision you make every day. And we try to impress upon our folks that, you know, you got to choose, you got to choose to do one of them. You might as well choose to do it the right way. Cause especially in our business, you don't got time to do it twice and you don't necessarily have, a second chance to make a good impression on somebody that maybe saw you do, you know, 
saw you handle food the wrong way because you're it's, it's a it's an open kitchen there right at the, at the salad bar so someone could see something and they might never come back for one you know you messed up oh it was only one little time but as you know there's there's choices to the left of me to the right of me to the front and the back of me there's a million places in this town people can eat and you know and within driving distance they're count it's countless it, it's crazy so i guess so just kind of getting them to, to buy in basically is is the first one um, and making the choice. Secondly, you know, everybody's here to make a living, right? That's, that's why we're all here and really trying to show our folks, our team members, the correlation between, you know, Hey, if we're busy and we do this decision, we can pay you this much and we can get bonuses and we can, you know, really, we can really, you know, make a good living at this. Whereas, you know, the, the failure rate in restaurants is unbelievably high and it's in a lot of cases because people choose not to do the little details. And next thing you know, okay, if we're not as busy, we need, we're, we need people to service our guests, right? But hundred percent, we are people driven. We're very, we're team driven. And if there are no guests, there's no need to have people. So we need to do a great job all the time. So that's the second thing we try to sell is just like, Hey, this is, this is really, it's good for you. You know, it's in, in like anything when you're coaching, when you're coaching a kid, Tom, it's like, Hey man, you don't got to do this workout for me, right? This is, this is for you. I'm just giving you the thing. And if you want to be a starter or if you want to make as much money as you can this year, you know, that's the more you put in, the more you're going to get out, the more, the more you choose to do the right thing. You know, that's it. Um, and then, so, and then lastly, really um, beyond kind of telling folks, it's just treating people right you know, and kind of that, that leadership where, you know, including them in decisions and, and being, and being nice, just being generally nice to folks, understanding they have lives out outside of here and things come up and trying to be flexible with people, all this stuff. And it sounds pretty simple, but in our business, it can be a rough business. You know, it, there's, you know, you hear some, it's just, it can be tough. You're kind of here one day, gone the next, not, you know, no second chances, stuff like that. We try not to operate like that at all and be, and be caring and look at our folks, our team members as, Hey, you're a person first. You're a mother first. You're a, a, a wife or a husband to your partner, but you know, whatever first. And then, so when we do ask folks to do things a certain way, we kind of get, we try to have a little equity with those people. They're like, Hey, these are pretty nice people. I'm just going to, I'm going to try hard. It's, it's a nice place to work. It's a nice environment. And then lastly, ask our people to be nice to one another, right? Be nice to one another. It's like, it's so simple. We used to, we had this, uh, this young lady that used to work here, unless she's my age, but we, we, we bust tables together going, she you know, waited tables. She's a, um, now she's a, she's a nurse up in the local nurse up in the ICU. Um, uh, so it, she, she would stand up. We have our probably eight times a year. We got our front of the house staff, you know, meaning bartenders, servers, hosts, food runners, like non kitchen folks together, um, you know, separately from the kitchen folks. And we talk up, you know, philosophical stuff, events that are going on. Every single man, she would just kind of like, just like raise her hand. Hey, who's got something else? She'd like raise her hand and be like, Hey, let's keep being nice to each other. You know, something like let's, let's, let's just all be nice. You look and go like, that's super simple, but you look and go like, Hey, you know, the team members want that. We want that. Everybody wants that. Every, you want that in your, in your interaction when you get a coffee in the morning or you go to the gas station or you go anywhere you go. Life's so much easier when, when people are nice, right? <laughs> so that and so those those things right there are probably what how we can kind of get folks to kind of buy in to this. Hey, th these crazy details <laughs> that we have here and, ex and expectations. Frankly, the expectations are, are they're higher, you know. 
for, for, our, for our, they're high of us by our customers. And we have very high expectations of ourselves and then the trickle down to our team members. And I think people often have a hard time because I know, you know, coaches that are listening, how do you get the GA? How do you get the intern or the junior coach to buy into every little detail? I mean, I, I was pretty, pretty strict on making sure that the weight room looked like a showroom, making sure that when people came in, they saw a level of detail and care put into the barbells. It was just a small percentage what we were going to put into their athletes over four years. And I think that reflects um, in, you know, just how well the program did. But understanding that can really grind on people. And I love your point about just being nice. We would often find through the internship process, um, long hours, being tired really kind of grinds on people. And sure. you would teach an athlete how to do a cut or how to lift. Well, I need to see what you do that when you're tired. And I don't know. And I'd, I'd love to get your comment on this. Is that I found people either glass half, glass half full or glass half empty. They didn't really switch in between when everything's hitting the fan and it's hot and you're tired and you got all this other stuff going on. People generally fall into those two buckets where they start joking, making memes, laughing. And it's like embrace the suck or other people, they brought that negative energy. And, and, and oftentimes in group dynamics, you're either adding energy or you're taking it away. And I was always searching maybe for someone who didn't have the prestigious degree or someone who had all the you know letters after their name, but was just a good team player that... I'm going to want to be in the trenches with you for 12, 14 hours a day, because we know that the nature of the business is tough. So let's make the best of it. And then knowing when to walk away, when to graduate, when enough's enough so that you don't burn people out, but you help them go to that next level. What are your thoughts on kind of group dynamics and specifically that individual, you know, group falling into either half full or half empty? A lot of it for us, it starts with, like you said, trying to find people like that recruiting process. You know, we, we recruit just as, you know, a college or a private high school or, you know, whatever you, you want the best, you want the best people for the, the role, you know, you know, you know what you're looking for. Try to go get that. So if we do a good job of that, that, that certainly helps getting folks. We look for, you know, um, in our part-time people, you mentioned a few, a few minutes ago, you know, you got, you got, you know, you got people that are just like, Hey, I'm here for, I'm here for three months. I'm a, uh, I'm a Salve student. I play football and I need something to do in the summer, right? I, this is not going to, I'm going to be a, you know, I'm in, I'm a criminal justice major. I'm going back to school soon, but I, I need to, I need to pay my rent for the summer pretty much. How do I get that kid to buy in? Right. Why don't you put, so I look and go, okay, you play football. Do you play? Yeah. I didn't play my first couple of years. I wasn't very highly recruited. Now I start. Okay. I want that guy. Okay. Cause I know he's going to, he, he understands what it is to, make the choice to, okay, I want to, this is my goal. This is what I know I need to get there and actually follow, follow through and, 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 and do what it, do what it takes. So I know that that kid is going to, you know, listen to what we have to say. If they're, if they're an athlete or, you know, some sort of a trained musician or they're in the theater, they they're used to some sort of structure and to, to get towards, towards, towards the goals. Um, it, it, we kind of know and knowing that guy, that girl, that's a, you know, a part-time person that's someone that versus somebody, we also have folks that have been working here for 30 plus years, you know, that have been here forever. So their goals are obviously different than that kind of the like, like a summer, summer help type person um, and push the buttons on those, you know, th those folks too. Um, so that, that's where that becomes a little bit of a challenge, you know, for us because, everybody's here, you know, maybe on a football team, everyone's got pretty similar goals, right. Or a soccer team, or we're just playing soccer here. We're doing this where the folks we have here, it's, 
hey, I'm looking to support my family. I'm looking to just, you know, I'm a young kid. I need, I need, I need beer money and car insurance money. And that's all I really look at. So I'm really like, I don't, I don't really need this money like crazy, but I, I kind of like it. Right. Well, how so do you get them, of- how do you get them to buy in though? Cause that's a unique challenge. Cause you bring up a great point. Someone who's been with you 30 <sighs> years, one is older, but also has a lot of different life, you know, focuses. So whether it's kids or kids going to college and right. it's other individual, you have so many competing values of what's important sure. how do you even begin to get those people on board because at least in strength and conditioning you know you got the kids for four years plus or minus the nil you've got people that are young coaches that want to be senior coaches so they'll be there for three to five years and pass on through but what do you do with 30 years and then three months like like how do you even go about getting them to sit in the same room together and have a shared value a lot of a lot of so that that's like you said so it's sitting in the same room together and it, some of those people sharing their experiences are, are really are vets and they, they, they take unbelievable pride in this place. It's unbelievable. Like you, if you talk to them, be like, wow, th- th- this person must own this joint. Right. Cause they just, they take unbelievable pride in it. So when they're talking about the place that, that wears off on the kid that just get here. So sometimes they kind of look and go like, well, I'm a team guy. I, I need, that's what they do here. You know, it's so that lead by example stuff, you know, that kind of it's, Getting, getting our those folks to do it. The young, some of the, like the, you know, mostly like the part-time, short-time kids, I mean, make it, try to make it fun for them. Really do. You know, you try to kind of, everybody knows they're not here forever. You know, and you, you, I wouldn't grind that kid on, you know, um, name, could name me five, five Bordeaux off our, off our wine list or something like that. Right. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But if I can really get that, 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 that short-timer, to buy into the friendliness, the cleanliness, the getting along with people at work, um, and really just kind of letting them know, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the minutia with you and make and make you learn all this other stuff. But these are like the four things. Like really keep it, you know, like keep it simple, stupid for them, really, and just more like the philosophical stuff. They tend to just, they tend to be able to, okay, I don't have to remember a whole lot of stuff. I'm just, if I show up with a good attitude every day, I'm going to be successful here for three months. They're pre- that's pretty much how you, how you can kind of get that at that yeah and i think setting realistic expectations when you take a young coach and you say hey i want you to you know run a detailed post-mortem on this acl i want you to do you know an advanced analytics and r you know study for you know our field hockey coach you're setting that person up for failure and it's not fun they may not have the expertise nor do they just have the drive to kind of grind through it and so i think a lot of people especially now where data is sexy they get it wrong by not matching the expectations and also the interests of the individual. What are some things that you see that parallel that in the restaurant business where they fail? You mentioned restaurants more likely than not are going to fail. And if they don't fail immediately, they're just not going to be a good cash business. What are some of the things that people get wrong when they're running those kind of programs? Uh, The number one thing that I just in my just kind of anecdotally, just seeing being through restaurants, you know, they're just like, Hey, this guy's not going to be here too long. This isn't going to, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're here another year or two and that's it is just a general, just no, no, no pace to anything. No pay. You, what people are walking around with no pace. Um, what do you staff's mean not talking to each other. Just walk in pace, you know, just a general, just, just moving. So if I have a, you know, uh, a recruit coming in, somebody coming in to work. And it's the first time they came in, maybe just getting, trying to get a general feel for them. Like, Hey, 
Hey, my name's X. I'd like to be a cook in your restaurant. Can I have an application? Absolutely. Follow me. And I'm going to walk at like a almost jog back towards the bar and grab this, this, this young person application. If they're in my back hip, by the time they get there, it's a good sign. Right. Cause they're, 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 they're aware that I'm moving fast. They need to move quicker. Right. Um, so that's kind of, I don't know. I don't, I wish I remembered where I got that. Somebody, somebody told me that, or I read that a long, long time ago. It's like, I just see, just walk fast and see if someone keeps up with you, you know, so that, that general pace thing. But the, why, why most restaurants fail is, um, they, they don't make that choice really to be, to, to just do things right. And there's so there's all the little minutia of, you know, there's you, you walk in the door and it's dirty, right? The silverware is slanted on the table. The, the server does everything. Everyone's got one uniform on and this server comes over and she, he or she's got some other dirty uniform or something. All that, like that little stuff. I'm like, well, that's not a big deal, but what the food's great. Who cares? It's still a recipe for disaster because, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another. It's usually not one thing. Remember the whole Chipotle thing with the food poisoning going going way back with the uh, foodborne illness and all that? Um, For some of our international listeners, can you just break that down? Because I don't know if in some of the other countries they have a Chipotle. So uh, Chipotle, it's the, you know, the, the burrito, burrito plays. And they were doing the right thing. This was going back probably 10 years. They were doing the right thing and trying to support local farms instead of their national chain here. And instead of trying to get, you know, lettuce, for example, from the big national, you know, getting all their lettuce from California in the summer, they would try to get it within, I don't know, an X amount of miles from them, which is commendable. However, you know, some of these small places, you just open your door, the more touch points you have, you're opening your door, the door to potential foodborne illness. Well, there was, they had multiple cases of, you know, foodborne illness that no one was really doing a whole lot wrong, but it happened. I would have, I'm not a gambling person. I would have bet you my house back then that they were out of business totally within like a year. And if you look at Chipotle now, does anybody talk about them still about like that stuff? No. And they're still packed. And they're doing very well. But the point is it's usually not like one thing. Cause they do every, they do a lot of the stuff that we've talked. They do that. Well, you walk in it, they're clean. They, you know, the people are nice. You see the people work and it's great. The food's hot, yada, yada, yada it's not one or two little like kind of catastrophic things that brings a restaurant down in most cases. It's just like the, you know, decisions by the minute, the hour, the shift, the week, the month, the year over a course of a long time. It's like, there's little, you know, death by a thousand cuts and they're, and they're gone. Everything from, you know, uh, using, using bad ingredients, using, you know, not having what people want, having stuff on the menu, then you're out of stuff all the time, just dirty bathroom. I, I mean, we could, we could do a two week around just what the little things that aren't done right. That, that lead people down the road. Cause you know, you make that choice. Like, you know, I'm not picking that piece of paper up off the floor today. Well, guess what? Tomorrow's going to be two on the floor and you're not going to pick them up. <laughs> Next thing you know, you get stuff all over the floor in your dining room and it looks like a, a pigsty in there. So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a snowball effect, right? Like, you know, so it's if the good, the good teams keep on getting better and the bad teams are just always bad kind of, you know, and they just stay bad because they just don't want to do things the right way. It's funny you say that because no one's going to argue cleanliness. No one's going to argue good ingredients, but then the excuses come in of, and, and the one that used to drive me crazy and it still goes on now is I just don't have time. I don't have time. I, you know, I don't have enough staff. I'm too busy. All of these things. I, I, I see that as one of the largest 
kind of red flags because my, my thing is there's 168 hours in the week. If you don't have time, then you either don't have good time management or you don't have systems in place because you should be able to scale when you're dealing sure. with 30 teams or 900 athletes or whatever. Yeah. It's on you. What are you going to have? A hundred coaches? You're never going to have enough. So those excuses go on forever. How do you handle those? And, and both as a coach, and I think also in your current application, how do you handle those excuses? I, Matt, I don't have time and we don't have the money <laughs> to do that. So our standards are a little bit lower. Like we're, we're committed to being slightly above average and it's just as problem. We tried, you know, one thing we try to do is put our, put our money kind of where our mouth is with that stuff. And like, we want this place sparkling. We want this place clean for, for that, for use that example, like the cleanliness aspect, right? Cause it's easy to make excuses for lack of cleanliness. We, we close for a week and a half every year to do some little, you know, capital improvements and stuff like that. But like everything gets painted. All the carpets get changed. Um, you know, we needed two new ovens this year. Hey, guess what we're going to get? Two new ovens. Does it cost a lot of money? Yeah, we got $30,000 worth of ovens. You know, it's, it's so we put, you know, if I'm going to sit here and say, hey, 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 uh, you know, hey, 15-year-old high school kid, it's very important that during your shift, you check that restroom every time, uh, uh, every 30 minutes throughout your shift. Okay, I go in. I have to use the restroom, check it. Oh, there's spots all in the sink. Whatever. Hey, did you check the restroom? I did it. I did it an hour ago. I didn't have time the last half hour, though. Well, okay. But you see, like, we're, we're doing everything we can to keep this thing this thing right here. A customer that's walking in doesn't, you know, doesn't understand. Imagine if you were dining here and had your uniform off and you walked into this restroom. What would you go back to your table and say, you know, it's <clears throat> we, we try not to have the, uh, the screw it, do it mentality here. You know, that's just like the every, – everyone's had the coach just goes, why do I do that, coach? F you, because I said so, junior. That's it, right? Like, that's no – you can't manage like that, you know. And, it's yeah, it used to maybe work back then, but how well how well did it really work, right? Everybody wants the why, and we explain to the people the why with it. So you kind of – some of the excuses go away, but there's really no excuse. We put the expectation – we put very clear expectations on folks where it's simply like, hey, every 30 minutes – that restroom needs to get checked. And if you don't have time, buzz the manager, I'll let them know and they'll go check it for you. So there's like some, in some little like uh, parachutes, I guess, if, if, if in fact, Hey, I couldn't do it because we had a party of 30 get up and we had one, the hostess has asked me to get that table clean. So I couldn't do it right then, Matt. Totally cool. There's a, you know, that's, that's why I'm, that's why there's a manager here to, to help you out. So really with some folks almost like we try to eliminate the ability to give excuses and give them tools so they don't feel like they have to make excuses and kind of like layers of, okay, if the defense gives us this, look, we can't run this play. What do we call now? Right. And give them, it's just like a literally an audible for these, for these kids. And that's kind of where I like for me kind of trying to come up with some solutions when the play doesn't work. Right. And that's kind of where it's some of that coaching kind of, trickles into what I do now. I like that kind of leadership audibles and giving the parachute for individuals. Cause sometimes they don't do the right thing. Cause they don't know. Sometimes they just <clears throat> supposed to run through one gap and they run through another. Um, so the intent was there. And then other times, like yeah. you said, they're just, I'm not doing it. And I think those are all very different failures, but having a way to assess that and, and managers have to have the endurance to stay on that every single day. And, and we talk about all the time about, okay, I'm asking you to do something. Do you understand the why? Because if if you just do it, like you said, screw it to do it, you know, 
that's going to be a compliant person, but they're not doing it with the same intentionality. And you start to see that. And, and I laugh because I had a boss, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but back in the day, I so my, one of my first jobs, I worked at rider truck rental. So I'm sitting there at Braintree at the main hub. I'm like 20 <laughs> years old. I'm like fired up, ready to do this thing. I went to the job fair and our boss, Mike Gallagher, he was, he was a different, different level. His thing was, he would tell us how to do it. He would teach you. He'd teach you till you're blue in the face. So you could not get it wrong. And he'd leave you be, go do your thing. I remember if you said, I can't do this, or in our case, we couldn't find a truck. He'd be like, really? And if you heard the really, and you saw the head tilt, <laughs> you knew he was going to come down and he was going to do what he told you and put you on blast in front of everybody. He'd be like, oh, look, there's one over here in Hopkinton. Did you reach out? Did you do that? And so it got to the point where you're like, man, you can always reach out, but you better accept it. And if the system wasn't in place and on a few times, he was like, that's a great point. We'll make those changes. But that really started to build confidence in the system is that sure. you know, if, if, if Mike can come down here and find it, you know, I better, I better go through everything he's going to do the way he taught it. Um, and that really stuck with me because I started doing that both at Salve and at Yale that, oh, I can't do this. Really? You want me to do it? And it was very quick. People were like, oh, no, no, we'll figure it out. And it's like, Roger that. Like, and if it's an issue that needs to be addressed, that the system hasn't accounted for in the model, fine, let's do that. Um, but also, as you mentioned earlier, trust in the system because to get results is hard. But to get year in and year out, you mentioned 40 years since your parents took over the restaurant. A lot of restaurants have come and gone. And that almost perseverance year in and year out is a separate accomplishment in and of itself is that longevity. Oh, no question. No question. And that's it's that's that's where the, the consistent CPs comes in. And then there's, you know, like you mentioned, the, the, just going back to the kind of the reaction to the do I make an excuse or how do I reach out, whatever, like. You know, you do have those, you do have those folks from time to time that are like, have that, like, I kind of like either I can't do it and just kind of continue to say you can't, but won't, won't try to run the play you're, you're asked, you know, the way you want them to first before they say they can't, or they're probably like, I think that's dumb. I'm not doing that. You go, okay. You know, and then you got to have to sit down and just like, all right, you're a nice person. We think you have all the potential in the world to be here. Like, do you think, that you can, that you want to be in our system, right? There's different kinds of, there's, you know, some, some folks don't make it here that are like awesome waiters, awesome bartender, awesome cook, but they're more suited personality wise or for whatever reason at a, in the fine dining segment, right? Or in that like fast casual segment, like your, your Chipotle's and stuff like that. It's just, they're not a bad person or whatever. They just, they're just not a great fit here. And you just got to sit down with those people. And if it's like, you know, if, if that person looks at you and goes, Hey, listen, I, my mistake, I, I got it. I'm going to work hard on it. I'm going to have a good attitude about it. Cool. You're still, you, come on, be on the team. Like, but if, if once you kind of person voices or, you know, indicates that they're, you know, kind of really not willing to do something. And then you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta figure something out and, and move on or maybe have them do something different. Um, you know, and, and it's not the worst thing in the world. You gotta, you gotta have people that are going to buy into your thing. And it's the worst thing you, you hate, you hate letting people go. Right. But if they're not going to do, you know, what wait, do things the way you ask them. And if you've explained it to them and given them every you know opportunity to, to prove it or not prove it, you, you do got to move, you get, you do have to move on. You know, you do got to put somebody else in a quarterback at that point that is not getting it done. And that's, that's kind of the, crappy part of the job you know because like i said we people are people right so now that but like at the same time we need to look out for our t 
team members that are buying in because there's nothing worse than somebody on a team. Every t- most teams have them, and, you know, even some of your really great teams. But the the worst part is like it, there's a couple couple people in the locker room like, yo, this this dude is just he's a lot, man. And like coaches ask him to do this, and he's just running his mouth, and he's just telling not doing it, and he gets in the game and. You know, they say left, he goes right, and it's just like – but he thinks he's right and wants to argue about it all the time. You know, everybody, all the other 60, 70 people on our team are looking at you as a coach going like, all right, man, like, you're asking us to do this. We're all doing it this way. This this guy, he's not helping us. He's got to – you got to move on, you know, and, and get 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 us someone that's going to help us do our job right. And that's – they said that's that's the not not fun part of the job, but it's something you got you to gotta do, and, and, and you do have to be – you do have to recognize – guys that and you know at some point you do have to kind of cut the cord and just you know try to recruit somebody else to, to fill that role yeah. strength and conditioning is going through a renaissance right now where it's kind of been this black box where people would go in in the off season they'd lift a bunch of things and maybe come out next season and be better and, and sometimes teams would win more um, but it wasn't a direct correlation to maybe what was going on and so we just kind of have this black box of unknown but with technologies like the plates, like the gym awares and things that are starting to quantify wins in the weight room for the first time, we actually can get a competence score. We can say, yes, if you train with this individual for power and this individual for power, here's what their historic trend line is. And so it's really pushed kind of a competence and an evaluation of worth, but still you function within a system. How do you, from a, in the restaurant standpoint, understand, quantify, or communicate the value to the hostess, to to the busboy, to the bartender, and everybody. Because when you come into to your place, it's usually not one person you interact with. It's mm. a, a community of people, even in passing. But how do you determine a win for them? Um, because again, it's not just going to be profit at that moment that I said hi to this person and I got a tip. It's a larger ecosystem. But how do you, right. games you can win and lose, weight rooms you can lift and not, how do you do that in the restaurant space? To... To put that, you know, precise, I guess, like number or score on it or whatever, like, you know, I don't, I don't have any force plates here, <laughs> just you know, or, you know, Hey, you served X amount of beers tonight. So you're the winner. You know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Right. For, for us, you know, what we do a lot is to kind of just show how well that our folks are performing and how well some of our systems work is share our customer feedback directly with them. If you go into just our, you know, our little bus room where they take the dirty plates, scrape them off, put them in the trash, wash their hands and go out, there's a bulletin board there with all kinds of bids and stuff. But primarily it's awesome comments, specifics that someone, I had Tom for my server today and, you know, my, my, uh, my mom is disabled and he really went and walked her right over to the uh, handicap accessible door and took care of her and really made her feel special or um, stuff like that, like little 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 things that our staff does um for for our guests that really make their experience like that they felt so strongly about that they maybe called or sent an email or we just you know you go on google and rip a bunch of reviews off and we just tell like we go up there and look like yeah like everybody we're gonna have a bad day we're gonna have a bad table and you're gonna get a one star review here and there but if you look there's three thousand four-star reviews, five-star, whatever those, you know, the highest ones are. And you go, Hey, this is going, this is going great. And that's, it's, it is, it's very, very tough to, to quantify that. I kind of like, like, how do you, 
I know in education, it's tough, right? Like that's like teachers, you know, how do you, is it, is it state test scores? Is it how many kids go to college? Is it the kids grades? Is it what, how do you, how do you do that? We have a hard time putting a, we know we have a hard time putting our finger on that. And, you know, it, it cause it, it's easier to, you know, to promote reward, et cetera. If you have that, like a metric to, okay, <laughs> Tom, you won the national championship this year. And uh, as, as strength coach for Yale university, that that's great. That's like, okay, that's, we're trying to win a championship. You want a championship. You know, we, we have a hard time doing that here. We just try to show folks little, like little stories and stuff anecdotally, you know, what's going on and, you know, share with them. We share with them a lot of our kind of our, you know, month over month, year over year numbers for certain months going like, Hey, this is what you're doing now. We had a couple tables in here. So everybody's working a little harder, but guess what? The sales went up. Guess what happens when the sales go up? Your tips go up and make more money and there's more hours for the kitchen guys the hourly folks and all that stuff so that's kind of the stuff we do there um if you can figure out in your next uh you know in, in your next in your next life how to like totally quantify restaurant performance man you, you really crack the code <laughs> well it's interesting right because you have profitability you need to make money but you right. also have to be warm and welcoming so if you just did you know either profit revenue plates or orders um, the pendulum's going to swing to, like you said, it's almost like a Uber Eats situation where there's no experience. And right. on the flip side, you can have the best experience in the world, but if it's four hours, people, you know, you, you can't, unless it's a hundred dollar burger, that that's not going to work. And so you, you're living on this kind of moving scale of experience to uh, sheer volume and profitability and where the group uh, lands. It's probably unique to the staff that's on that day and on for that. Um, sure. But what, what would you do, though, when you get into those situations? Because I was thinking to the example you gave earlier, you get your star player. We need you to win, but you're going to go left every time coach says right. And then coaches are put in this tough time where, like, we've got standards and rules except for this person. We've got standards and rules, but we got to win. Like, so yeah. if you're good enough, the rules can be bent a little bit. And I think that undermines your credibility to the to the larger unit that still has to open those things up. And And I'd imagine in the restaurant world, that's probably your bartenders or maybe it's someone with a lot of charisma that people are seeking out. How do you make sure that you function together? Everyone's individual, um, but part of a larger team, if that makes sense. Got it. Yeah. Um, it's something, I think it's all Bill Parcells, right? You know, he was kind of, LT got plenty of, plenty of, uh, plenty of special treatment, right? His whole Bill's thing was I'm going to treat everybody fairly but everybody doesn't get treated the same. Right. And I talk about this in orientation is something like her thing coming back to football. We're big on, you know, we get Lombardi time, right. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, you know, and that's not, but we pay hey, whenever time, if you're scheduled at nine o'clock, be in your station, ready to go doing whatever your task is for that. Just be, be rolling at nine o'clock. Lift this at, starts at nine o'clock. If your warm up starts at nine o'clock, you can walk in at eight thirty, and if it takes you that long to get going, cool. But you better be if if you walk in at eight fifty nine, that's great too. But you better be ready to roll, right? You better be ready to roll. So uh, an example I use with with folks, you know, it's like, hey, got you got to, you really got to be on time. That's something that's not fair if you're not, you know. And I tell them like, listen, if you're if you're late here like two times in the first week, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna probably just think you're not gonna bother and probably gonna let you go now. Tom, you've been you've been with us shit, five years, ten years, whatever. You've got some tough stuff going on at home, whatever stuff's coming up. You've just been late. You haven't been communicating great for maybe a couple of weeks. But guess what? Like, 
you you've got equity with me and I've got with you and I know that you got something else going on now and I it's just a, it's an anomaly right um so that that's one example of of that and it that makes it a little harder to manage because there's going to be people that are like hey that's not fair rules are rules right like mm, it, it would be easier if I go, oh, shoot, Tom was late twice. What a park page three of the manual. Oh, two-week suspension or, or whatever, right? That That's kind of easy. I think that's kind of lazy, though, right? Because you're not taking people's, uh, you know, just, just lives lives into to account and in that. So it's that's that's really what you do, and you really got to be mindful when you're dealing with, um, you know, negative issues with folks in terms of, you know, being fair to people and things like that. There's another thing here with stuff like, oh, why do we, this kid's not doing, well, you got someone that's been here. They've been really great forever. They're, you know, 90, 90%. They're an A, they're an a player for you, right? How much effort is going to take me to recruit, train, get that institutional knowledge of that person? They have like, they actually, they have an actual value. Tough to put it on, but there's a, there's a serious monetary value there. And I, it'd probably be for like a, to replace a, a good A player, tenure, tenure server, probably just in training by going through a bunch of different people and getting people in that one person that sticks in it. You're talking like 10, 20 grand probably. And you, you know, for a little restaurant, it's a lot of money. So you kind of really, you really want to work with people that you know bring something to the table, right? You know, you first, first day on campus, right? And you're, you're a college, you're a college kid and it's camp and a freshman, he wants to go uh, tell the kids, hey, you got to be in the dorm lights out nine o'clock. You know, you're up at the gas station. You see the kid up at the gas station buying blunts and beers. Like, dude, you've been on campus two days. Like, see ya. You know, right? Now, kid's a senior. He's been there for a while. First team all league last year. I think, hey, man, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about this tomorrow. There's going to be some sort of issue. I mean, you're not getting thrown out of here for an infraction that you made after you've been here for like four years. You've been kicking butt the whole time, you know? So that's that's kind of the way we, we try to look at look at that kind of stuff. And... Again, I think it's it's tough kind of sometimes because you're you're dealing with everybody's situation, but I think that's the fairest way to do it and really taking everybody's kind of, you know, what they what they've put into, you know, the organization to that point. Yeah, I, I think that there is something to that. And I and I also think from a manager or coach standpoint, you're kind of hardwired for that. I listened to Mike Ritland's podcast and read his book Team Dog. So Everyone who knows me, you know, I love canines, got into training, actually built a medical alert dog. And throughout that time, it was interesting working with training canines because I've trained so many athletes, but there's this famous dog trainer. His name is Michael Ellis, and he gives this fantastic hour long description of operant conditioning. And we start talking about driving change in habits and behavior. So whether it's teaching a dog to sit, whether it's teaching a back squat, you're basically trying to verbally communicate and change a movement or pattern or behavior. And too often people want to just go, like you said, look into the rule book. Okay. And then crack the whip. Well, we know that the the single greatest contributor, both in canine, I think into to athletes as well as they have to, like you said, love the process. So you're handling that infraction in the matrix that they talk about is you can either add a consequence. So add a punishment. So think about four quadrants uh, in a chart, you can add a negative. So that's a sprint. That's a punishment. That's a run. You can take away some, Hey, we don't have to run today. Well, that's good. I can add a reward. I can give a treat. I can, you know, have the ice cream truck show up after practice. Um, or I can take away, you know, Hey, we were going to have this uh, time off. We don't now. So 
there's different ways to motivate people. And I think taking a blanket approach, you miss out not only in the individual because dogs won't work for you. If they get, if they get corrected enough, they're just gonna say, this isn't fun. I don't want to work. I don't want to play. I love to work that dog. Even if they're not as genetically gifted, they're not going to achieve the same heights. And we see that in bite work. We see that in nose work. Um, and I think especially what we see with athletes, like, did they go to practice and love it? Or was it a job? Did they love being with the teammates and, and whether it's volleyball, whether it's basketball, do you just like being around the team? And, and so when that 30 year server says, Hey, that's not what we do here. That's probably the most important thing to drive the change. Not you, the manager to drop the hammer. And I, I forget, cause we, we were at the same time talking about at Portsmouth, you want to pull the reins back. You want, you want juniors and seniors that are so switched on that, you know, the freshman sophomore don't want to let them down. Not that they want to get in trouble. They don't want a punishment. They just don't want to let them down. That's really good culture, regardless of the industry that you're in. And I think there's a lot of parallels to that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, you know, having your leaders, it, it makes, it's, I would say like, I get people like you guys have such a great staff. I like, you know, I look, I look at folks and, and I'm not kidding. Like it makes my job so much easier. Cause you're not begging people to do stuff and you got other people going like, you know, it's kind of like, I get it with my kids a little bit. Like, you know, I can tell my kids to do whatever all the time. If, if his brother's like, Hey man, like, come on, you, you should probably, you know, you gotta, let's just do it like this. It, it's going to go over a lot, a lot, a lot better that, you know, that person that that's had the success. A lot of times I remember, uh, you know, when, when <laughs> I was coaching at Portsmouth and you, you came in and did a, um, uh, uh, a day uh, kind of some lifting fundamentals and some running fundamentals with the kids. And <laughs> I don't, <laughs> everything I know most about the strength and conditioning piece besides stuff. I was like, it was, it was stuff with you. And they're like, well, I'm going to do what Tom says. Cause I, I did this program for a year at, at 30 something years old and it was awesome. He's got these things to back it up. So I just did exactly what you told me all the time. So everything pretty much that you told the kids that day, <laughs> They bought in, so they were so engaged. I'm like, you break, you know, you kind of bring that that other guy, you know, that they're the different that different voice, to not like that authoritative voice. It's just like someone this guy's this guy's coming from over here. They kind of knew you were better. You were on the program a bunch and stuff, but parents and they were just transfixed on what you had to say. And it was a per, it's a great example of what you were just talking about. Like, you know, it does if it's always coming from, you know, okay, here we go again. Matt's gonna tell me to you know, be nice to the people and make sure that I, you know, I don't stack the plates at the table and we don't do that. And we don't call people, we don't call people guys. It's, you know, it's sir, ma'am folks, you know, you know, there's certain ways we communicate like, okay, buddy, whatever you say, if it's coming from the person next to them, that's been there forever, man, that, that, that carries some weight because I see like, oh man, everybody respects this person around here. This person does very well financially around here. Well, shoot, now if I don't listen, this, this, this is the pathway, right? So that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, it's that flywheel effect. And I think that it's important that you you always have to be looking ahead. So what you're doing today is obviously successful, successful, but you started this a year ago. You know, the stuff that you dealt with in the pandemic, you learned from it, you moved on, you're going forward. What does the next six months look like for you? And as you plan ahead, because I know you don't sit back, what are the things that you're looking for to either tweak, refine, or improve within your current system? So, so for us, it's funny you say that we were working on our, my, myself and our general manager working on our, our beverage program for the net, for the year, but you know, for the summer and uh, what do we need for like beverage specials and fruity, fruity vodka drinks and all this kind of stuff. Right. And 
the you know pandemic, we lost a lot of folks that had been here forever because they were kind of toying with the idea of retirement. You know, they didn't work for a couple months and they kind of got a taste of it and said, you know what, I like I like being home. And so they 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 retired, you know. So we we brought a whole lot of new people in, but our average level of experience years, you know, the average restaurant turnover is on average a hundred percent per year. The average restaurant turns over hundred percent. That counts McDonald's. That counts everything. One hundred percent employee uh, turnover at at restaurants is the average for the year. So we were always, you know, like I said, we've had people here thirty years, forty years, ten, twenty, like you know. And now we've, we hired more people at a faster clip than we ever had. Our whole thing for a year and a half, once we reopened from COVID was hire, train, hire, train, hire, train, hire, train. And the decision we've made in terms of to get better is now that we've been back open full go for, you know, really where it's like people are back and it's about a year when it's like, okay, back to normal, if you will we still have folks that are still their heads still spinning a little bit. Cause we've got a big menu. We've got these, you know, different systems that you got to follow. So we said, I was going to take a bunch of stuff off the menu. And Kim was like, Hey, we've already trained. Like just leave it on there. Like let's, let's just keep, keep things as much as we can the same, but a couple the new special here, new special there, but let's get really, really good at what we do again. Like let's get, so everybody knows the menu, like the back of their hand. And it's like, so if the less we change it up on them, and change the playbook, you know, we're like that break, you know, we're, we're, we're we want to be, we want to be, we want to be Navy. We want to break, we want to be in Nebraska when they were running, running, running an option back. And it was like, Hey, there, there's not a whole lot of fancy, not a whole lot of flash to what you do, but God darn, you do what you do. You do what you do really, really well. And when people walk in the door and you go and play, you know, a Navy, they're running option at you all day long. When you walk in brick alley, you're walking into brick alley. It's not changing. It's not this. So that's the number one thing we're kind of changing. If you will, to get better is not changing. We used to throw tons of new specials at these people because they could handle it. And we have the people now are just as capable. They're just, you know, thinking of a team. They're, they're freshmen, sophomores, as opposed to your seniors, fifth year guys and girls. You know what I mean? It's, it, it really correlates to a team. Well, and, um, our, our, our general manager, Kim Dwyer is, is fantastic. And she's just been on that, you know, she's been telling people like in our dining rooms, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off a little bit, a little bit off here. You'll see, you know, every, every restaurant's got a place where they keep the, the condiments, the hot sauce, all this stuff, whatever. And it, she goes, she'll go around in the morning and go, Hey, there's supposed to be two, two Franks red hot, two greens and three Cholulas. And they, the labels seem to be facing out. And she, some of these, you know, newer folks kind of look at her like she got two heads and go like, yeah, but when it's busy and you know, you can blindfold your eyes and look and grab that and bring it over to your table instead of having to go, where the heck, who took this, who took this? It's just simplifying everything and just system, you know, making a system out of every single little thing and kind of getting, improving on the systems we had before we had to close for, for COVID is that's where we're, that's where we're going. We're like, we're just trying to, you know, not go backwards to like 2019, but like get to where we were and really like even refine those systems, if you will. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty wild and it's, it's working. It's moving fast. Like we're getting, we're, we're getting, we're getting good at some of this stuff and it's, it's fun to watch. It really is. So Cholula bottles facing the correct way. What are some other quirks that if I go to visit, that you know if i'm looking around what are some things that i should be looking for thing other things that like stuff like that 
that is just such a parallel to when we talk about <clears throat> that nobody's going to know, nobody's going to look, but you have to do it. Um, yeah. in order to be great. Like there's supposed, I don't know what the number is right here without looking at it. Cause we, we write, have everything in binders. So you don't have to remember it. But in the beginning of the day, there's supposed to be, I don't know, 20 soup bowls at the salad buffet for the soup and 60 plates. And you know, the, uh, the bread, there should be X amount of slices of, 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 of bread, of bread out there. Um, our mark, um, I got to kick, you know, where our table setting is pretty simple. We do, uh, and during the day you come in for lunch, you've got a fork and a knife and I got nice heavy duty paper napkin. Well, the mark is the, the bottom of the paper napkin lines up with the bottom of the table. We found about 15 years ago, it was like, it used to be an inch, but an inch to every, every, every high school, college kid, busting tables, setting tables. A little different. They don't have a ruler or whatever. Like, you know what? Let's make this really easy on everyone. Put the napkin at the bottom of the table, center the silverware, you know, fork on the right. Like, and people, like, oh, it's so simple. But just next time you go into a place, look, right? You know, if you take if you take a plate, Tom had, Tom had an appetizer. We took his plate. If you take his plate and you take the silver with you, if you take it, you bring the silverware back. So poor Tom doesn't doesn't have a, a you know not have a fork and a knife for his next course or whatever, little little stuff like that. Um, two two backup toilet papers in each in each bathroom doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Well, you put one in, and then at ten o'clock at night, you got some poor lady in there that needs toilet paper. It's and totally ruined her. It totally could ruin an experience, right? Like something so 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 simple. Um, I can't shoot. We got. <laughs> We got a, We got a, a million of them. Just our, our centerpiece is pretty, pretty straightforward. We got our drink book. You know, the pepper goes, pepper goes in the back, salt on the left, ketchup on the right. Big deal? No. But when you look into a place and they're all different in a dining room, it's just, you got to do it one way. You might as well just do it the right way and, and have them all look the same and, and look, and look cool. You know, um, I'll tell you, we got it. We got it uh, with our, with our ordering. And we talked a little bit about that 135 with like the speed to kind of get drinks going and stuff like that are, we have a system to people don't, and, and it still happens occasionally, but what's, what's, what's the, one of the worst things, right? You're at a restaurant and you order the, like your, your example, you let, you get the ahi tuna entree right over the spinach, the whole nine. Well, we also have a salad and we have an appetizer that we do like little sliders, right? So you say, I want the ahi tuna. I'm going to have the ahi tuna tonight. Fantastic. That's great. That's great, sir. So I heard you want the, uh, you want the ahi tuna entree with over this, over the spinach and, uh, and for your side, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. Got it. So I, you've told me your order and we call it parroting back the order. Now we've told you the order back. You write it on a pad. You're not, a, we, you don't, we don't keep them in our head. You write it on the pad. You walk over to the POS machine, the computer, put it in from your pad. And then when you're done, you look at your pad and you look at the number and you highlight it on the computer. Your pad, highlight it. Pad, highlight it. Pad, highlight it. Oh shit! I only got four things here and I got five things on my pad. Boom! Another fail-safe thing, right? So that's another. So now, now your orders and we got that all right. Now your order comes up and there's a little ticket, ticket with it with all your five entrees for you and your friends and all that stuff. Well, you need to read the ticket again and look at the food and see if that's what you did. Right. And if you got that there, you got it. Right. So, and then within two minutes, you go back. How's everything going? Whatever. So there's like six touch points, five or six touch points in there to like prevent the, 
uh, excuse me, sir. I, I didn't order this. I ordered, I ordered something else, and, you know, and, and of course, even if we did that and we know that, Oh, absolutely. I apologize. We'll take, we'll take care of that for you. Right. And then, you know, that's another thing we don't do. We don't, we never like to argue with the customers either, no matter how right or how wrong they may be. Cause what's the point. Right. But that, that thing with the ordering, it's like, that's just, there's so many different levels of it. And it's very simple. Like, Oh, I thought they ordered the whatever. Like, okay. Did you, did you parrot it back? Yes. Did you, did you re- review your screen before you sent it in? Oh, I hit the wrong button. I know. But then did you read it to make sure it matched? No. Okay. So there's, there's our thing. We call step four. We got to step four, but we failed on step four out of six. Right. <laughs> that's, no, that's a trip. Well, cause those are the little details. And, and when you operate in a lift, you have say 45 individuals, eight exercises. Say you're doing three sets of five, three sets of 10. You're talking about thousands of reps and it only takes one. It takes one to end a career to tear something. And and to your point about, you know, don't argue it's that one situation. Well, it's the same thing in the weight room. You can do all the great in the world, but when you blow a back out or tear a labrum, it's irrelevant. And then they're going to talk about it. And then you have to build in faith and confidence. And that's why I laugh. I'm sitting there thinking about it. And, and again, did you read the ticket? Did you go back and forth? And that might be a great example as a leader that someone who's only there for three months, it's not that important. It's close enough and, and cutting those corners. And I think that when you have these great kind of systems in place, a good mark of success, isn't just the one-time success, but it's the stability. And I, and I can speak from experience. If I was bringing in somebody to go visit or anything like that, I never had to worry. Was it going to be a 10 minute wait for the drink? It was never going to be that the, the food was going to get wrong. And so consistency. And I, I believe it was Starbucks talked about it where they were saying about making that cup of coffee. So anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, to be able to have that consistency to get that exact same product, that's actually really hard. And I think that's the same way when we talk about from a training standpoint, to get someone to a certain level, you know, by a year or two, or to get them through a month of training, and to do it, do it with intentionality, buy into the program. There's just so many little pieces where, like you said, I love that line of the, you know, death by a 1000 paper cuts. That's, um, that's pretty spot on. And I think a lot of organizations, especially as you scale and get bigger, tend to drop the ball on if they don't, you know, have a plan in place to deal with it. Yeah, no, you definitely, you definitely got to, um, with that stuff here, we, people come here for, you know, there's different kinds of restaurants. I'm just talking about, you know, our restaurant, there's certain places you go and, you know, Hey, Tom's a Tuesday night bartender and they let Tom kind of have his own little special drinks and that, that works for them. And that, that's totally cool. But for us, the comment, the comment we get all the time is, you know, you're in the grocery store or whatever. I love it there. The people are so nice and it's the food and the drinks are so consistent. They're so, so consistent. If I come on a Tuesday night when it might be a little slower night or a Saturday night and it is absolute mayhem in here, someone took the time to do that right, follow the recipe on the drink, on the food. The person that like prepped the base for the dish also did that. You know, the person who ordered it ordered the same product that we or- that we used all the time. And the person that checked it in made sure it's what we ordered and made sure it was correct. There's a million layers to it, to that consistency piece. And the tough thing is, you know, a lot of people have the conception like, oh, there's just like some there's like a chef back there that's like magically magically making like food for like 400 people at a time. And we got di- we got different. We got our in our kitchen. We've got different nationalities, therefore different languages. You have big time different age discrepancies. You have it's like a total total mixing part of American society. It's awesome. 
and these these guys and girls understand how important it is to that person that loved that dish so much Saturday night. They were staying in Newport till Tuesday. They want to come back and get it again. How how much more important it is that that second one is exactly the same, right? You know, and if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a uh, college athlete, high school athlete, and I'm going into strength and conditioning uh, to 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 a lift and all right, Coach Newman's not there today. All right, but today it's Coach Plum, right? Well, shit, Coach Newman's there all the time. They're expecting it to run like Coach Newman's thing. Yeah, I got maybe my own little personality. I might have a couple of different little sayings to get you all amped. But, like, I mean, we're running we're running the same workout on the same time with the same expectations or whatever. So they can, you know, they can, ex- you know, um, you know, have expectations of what to expect. You know, have a, have a clear, like, this is what this is going to look like. And for us, it's great. We've got that that double edged sword that I will live with forever. It's like you've got that pressure. We have people that come in here four times a week, and three out of four get the same thing. They get the same thing like a hundred times a year, and it's like the same. And they're the ones. They're the toughest ones because the, the person that comes up from New York on vacation with their kid, right? They a lot of them. They're just like, listen, get me something to eat. I just waited. I took me six hours to get up from the city. My kids are going nuts. My wife's pissed that we didn't get the water view, and we had to take a shuttle down here because I didn't get a hotel close enough to Brick Alley. Right? Pissed. <laughs> so pissed. So that person just like coming in here, like, listen, I just want something to eat that's good. I don't want to get ripped off because they're probably ne- they may never come back. Right? But the way I look at that guy is like, shit, he's gonna go home and tell his friends he ate here, so they might all come back. So they're still very important, right? Those people that come in all the time, they are one of our best resources. They are freaking quality control like you read about. Oh, like, did you guys switch the American cheese? Like, it used to cover more of the burger. Like, little stuff like that. And most restaurants would be like, you know, people like that don't choose to give a shit or choose to be, you know, they choose to be mediocre. Or like, dude, a cheese is cheese, right, man? Like, whatever. We're like, oh, man. And I go, you know, so I'm so sorry about that. Like, hey, thanks for letting me know. I'm, I got your burger today. I, that's on me. Even though it was like, oh, no, no, it was great. We enjoyed it. I just wanted to let you know. It's on me. Got it. I go back, look at the last invoice. Mother effer. Those bastards sent me a different kind of American cheese than I usually get. What the frig? You know, and like, it's, it sounds nuts, but that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what it, what it comes down to, you know, <laughs> what's the craziest quality control story that you have where you're like, you know what? The customer is right. I had no idea. Oh man. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I, I got a I got another, I got a more of a customer service one. I can get over the top one. I don't know really too many, um, too many of, of, of that. Um, we had, we used to make this, um, chocolate chip cookie pie it's called Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Derby chocolate chip pie. I was like, my dad uh, was running a restaurant down, down in, um, no Louisville, Lexington, Kentucky. They lived down there for a while and he just came, he had these, they had these pies down there. So naturally when at some point we put it on our menu, right. So we had it. And then, um, we, uh, we had this bakery making them for us, the local bakery that like, that's what they did. They bake pies at their bakery, right. They're freaking awesome. They guy like, you know, got old, whatever. They closed the bakery for, you know, just like retirement reasons, kind of. So we made them for a while and like we're just we're just not set up like that to bake, right? So they're they so they were good. 
you know, not great, not as good as the other one, but good, right? We're like, you know what? Shit, it kills me because it was one of my favorite things. We got to take it off. I mean, we're not, we're not selling it no more. Some person came in, like, there was people that liked it so much, like, oh, I came in, like, yeah, I can get a burger anywhere, but I come in for the pie for dessert, really, right? So we got this, like, very nice but disappointed a letter like a they sent like a card like a letter how disappointed they were that they didn't have it we didn't have it when they came in i'm like all right well shit what do, i mean crap what can i do and i was like all right here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna make one and we're gonna get a cooler and we're gonna drop it off on their front door like three days later like and they were in like providence they were in Providence. We dropped it off. You can't ship it, right? It's a freaking pie. <laughs> it's like dropped it off, just dropped it off their front door. I tell you what, we created an absolute raving fan. They were like a you know good customer. We create a raving fan for life with with stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, so that that was like a you know in a million places I have stuff like that going out. You know you go out of your way for for folks all the time or. You know, some, something that's not on the menu, somebody will call me like, I haven't been up there in 30 years. You guys used to make this friggin' sandwich. It was the greatest thing ever. Like, all right, I got some time today. I'm going to let's prep that thing up and make that for them. They're definitely coming in. I kind of know, you know, and like stuff, little, little, little stuff like that, you know, really, really goes a long way because it makes folks feel like, I mean, you do give a crap about them because they, well, they're the customers would allow me to put a roof over my head and feed my kids and give opportunities to, for another hundred people to make, to make a living here. Right. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just, it's just nice to be able to, to do that and really, really make somebody's make somebody's day month year, you know, and they're like, they like, you know, brought to tears by some of the nice stuff you do do for people. And like, you know, and it, it really just hits home. My, my father used to be like that, Matt, my dad would say like, Matt and tell in our, in our staffing say, just like, you know what? Nobody comes here to eat. And it's like, that's stupid. Yeah, they do. That's why they're here, right? Like, in the grand scheme of things, like you you take the argument, all right, let's just stop it. Stop at the grocer on the way home. Get me some white bread, a couple slices of ham, some cheese, Gatorade on the side. All right, I got got lunch for five bucks, you know, no problem. I I just coming to eat. You know, you come to Brick Alley, you know, you got a bacon cheeseburger for $12.95, a beer for five, four or five bucks, leave it 20%. It's 25 bucks, you know, for it's, it's these days pretty cheap for a restaurant, right? people come here for that. They want that. It's the experience and it's that personal connection that they feel that, but, but authentically feel, you know, everyone's been to the place where like, they're just kind of being polite to being polite. And they're just like, you're like, this guy, this guy's killing me here. He's, you know, but the people that really care and people can see that, that you care. And as a coach, people can see that you care and that you come prepared every day ready to go like, Hey, I want my team to be great. I want my restaurant to be great. People, people can see that and they really, really appreciate it. And I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people that like come on the way out, like, Hey, you know, we came up from Connecticut and you know, that server right there, she's, that's the best experience I've ever had at a restaurant. Are you going like, awesome. By the way, she's been here a month, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, she's been here two weeks, but she just like, it's someone that's like instantly to bought into the culture, bought into things, still has a bunch of technical stuff to work on, but the customers didn't see the behind the scenes stuff where they were struggling with this or struggling with that. They saw a smiling face that got them what they needed, thanked them and really like just genuinely cared that they, they were up there and wanted them to have a good experience at our restaurant. 
Yeah, and that's stuff that you remember forever, especially now with the way things are, you know, with things at the prices they are, you you are getting that experience. And positively or negatively, your customer experience is going to probably from whatever the initial food sandwich product was. I know we we deal with this a lot with, um, you know, every chance with the customer uh, is an opportunity to lean in or lean out as far as if you got something wrong. And I'll tell you what, when customers come to us and say, well, what tier package customer service do you have? There's no tiers of service. If if you need help no. understanding it, we can get you no. education. <laughs> I, I don't even like the idea of that. Like, <laughs> you know, it just, again, from a branding standpoint, you have to make a claim. And, you know, if you mess up, you own it and move on. And I think the only problem you run into is when there's a little bit of that arrogance of where you're doing me a favor coming into buying, you know, a beer from our prestigious restaurant, or we're buying your platform and being aware of that, that, that people know. Because people do have choices and they can they can vote with their dollars and they can make that choice every day and tell about, you know, a million friends if they depending on their social media account of what that experience was like. So you have to be mindful of it. I I think, you know, on this on this uh, being on the, the, the good side of the whole COVID thing here, the biggest, I think, as a huge opportunity is in service and customer care. And that that's an experience because. The shittiest thing about, sorry, the, the crappiest thing about COVID was for me, when we first got to like, yeah, I mean, take the financial, all that, you know, whatever. Yeah, it sucked making no money. I was stressful as hell and working like crazy because, you know, didn't see your kids. And that, that totally, totally sucked. But when we were able to reopen, like, okay, you can reopen at 30% and you need to have, I don't know, 12 feet between tables and plexiglass between the things and no one could sit at the bar like that's awesome you're open again you walk around the restaurant and you're like oh my god this place has zero juice there's just no there's no energy man it's like you go in a weight room right your weight room right time like oh there's no kids there's no kids supporting each other there's no there's nothing everyone's yeah everyone's lifting weights everyone's eating drinking you know and having a decent time but like it wasn't even close to the experience people were having and a lot of folks you know we looked at like, there's a few things we did improve with COVID. We never took online reservations. We never took online to go orders. Guess what? Now we do. We're always like, that's ah, pain in the ass. We don't want to do it. Well, we had to. So we did it. All right. I think a lot of people stuff that kind of made their lives almost like a little more convenient because it took some of like the personal touches out of their, their model. They're use it as like, like, well, we did that in COVID. So we just kind of kept it. Like, I know, but like, you're like, a, we're, we're, we're a, in-person face-to-face relationship business like we have some like salespeople that like don't come in anymore like how come you guys don't buy the wine like i never see you this other girl comes in all the time and she asked you know whatever like i think in just going that over the top out of your way you know you finish your wings you ate your hands you know we bring you like a hot you know hot towels with the hot water with the lemon on them you know like little stuff like that that, yeah, it went away during COVID. Of course it did. But now it's back and it had to come back. And does it, does it make our jobs a little more difficult? Sure it does. But it brings a lot more smiles on the, on the, on the people's faces too. And they see, they're like, oh my God. And they go back to like, we're sitting, I'm sitting in a freaking casual pub. And they're bringing me like, not like wet naps. You get a freaking family picnic in the park. You're getting like a, like a, a rolled up napkin with hot water and freaking lemon spritz on it. You know, it's like... Stuff like that. And I think that's where we're, that's where we're, we're trying to go and just really be because it's our, in our society, our society's kind of changed too, to be a little more 
It's okay to be like rude and tough in a lot of cases. And like, why? We don't want that. But the more people that do that, the more I go out and get that kind of service, I'm like, yes, perfect. You keep doing that. And we're going to go the other way and we're going to stay being busy. And that's the kind of the footprint for the next 20, 30, 40, you know, if we just keep doing, keep doing that and let these people just like, you know, have, the, Oh, you're coming in anyway. I'm going to make my money anyway. Cause eventually that's like, a, that's, 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 a, that's the, that's another reason for like the long, slow bleed, assuming people are going to come in. Cause like you said, they're going to, they got certain, everybody has a certain amount of discretionary income. Right. And even people with a ton of it, a ton of it, like that guy's got plenty. He don't care if he has, he probably cares more than anybody. That's how we got so much in the first place. Cause he cares about stuff like that. Right. So I, I think that going forward, that great, great service and like deciding like, you know what? Hey, how's this, how's this going to affect the staff, the customers, profitability, like choose to do a lot of times the harder, more complicated thing because it makes a better experience for our customers. And that's like, that's what it's hundred percent all about. Awesome. Well, listen, I could talk to you for hours. I know we had a lot of listeners that want to, you know, follow up with questions. What's the best way to reach out or connect with you if they have something related to either their organization, uh, their weight room, or, or they just want to talk to you? <laughs> um, probably, probably just give, I give my, my work email here, Matt at brickalley.com. It's super, super simple. Um, and I do just want to let everybody know, uh, you know, really that, I've been last couple of years, been slacking a little bit in the weight room. Last month or so, I've been back on. This morning, it got, got a Husker in. Got a Husker in. Light. I had to go light because it's the first time in a while, but I got a Husker in for her this morning, Newman. That brings a smile to my face. Anyone who's not the Huskers, go check out Dr. Kramer's episode. He broke that down. All the Maddie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Love you, Newman. Uh, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Let's do it again. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Later.